Okay, welcome back to the Golf Preview Podcast and RJ Bell's Dream Preview for Mexico Open Week. My name is Will Doctor alongside James Ledbetter. Happy to have you aboard as we give you the latest from Vallarta, Mexico. Uh, and who should be on your card for this week as far as the PGA Tour is concerned? Led, uh, we had the different format last week in Louisiana. I did not have a special week by any means uh, besides the good playing from Zal Torres and Riley and, uh, and Redmond and Ryder. Um, otherwise, nothing too much to brag about. How'd your week go? Yeah, you know, I was on the Zalatoris Riley ticket as well. I was, you know, I didn't watch much of the golf, to be honest. It was not, uh, I think they need to find some different, I don't know if they need to change the format or change the golf course, um, but I don't think they could have done that great from a viewership standpoint, right? No chance. They, no, they need to, you know, with a team format, you have two elite players, you need to send it to a place like Bandon Dune or somewhere crazy where it really, uh, you know, it attracts the viewership's eyes. The two team format events on the PGA Tour season, one at Tebron in Naples, you know, mm-hmm. and then one at, one at uh, TPC New Orleans. Two boring venues, in my opinion. I think they could do much better. Yeah, and that Zalatoris Riley uh, group that I, I mentioned, I saw on Saturday they shot 64 in a best ball, and – Zalatoris made eight birdies and Riley had zero. So, uh, you know, Zal. It's a good note for this week. Huh? It's a good note for this week. Definitely a good note for this week. Um, in terms of a betting week I had, you know, not too spectacular. I did hit on my best bet, which has been on and Sung JM top 20 plus 140, which was nice to kind of, uh, you know, limit the damage from that week. But yeah, I'm excited to get back to, uh, some, some real golf, you know, Congrats to Cantlay and Xander. Um, how are we viewing this? I'm still of the, you know, we can still technically say Xander has not won a regular format PGA Tour event since 2019. That streak is still alive. I'm excited. I'm still going to be able to say that. Um, not to say, you know, Xander has had his rough Sundays, or at least a rough couple holes on Sundays that has, uh, you know, caused him to not be able to finish out some events. But, uh, you know, helps have a guy like Cantlay uh, in your, you know, as part of your team. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it doesn't team format. It doesn't count as a, you know, a, a real PGA Tour win. I mean, of course, he gets his 400 points, but uh, and not like he'll need any help getting into the Masters. But it doesn't this tournament doesn't give a Masters exemption. It doesn't give out world golf ranking points. So. Uh, he's still, you know, as far as an individual golfer and real PGA tour events, he's still, uh, winless in quite some time, but looking back, I feel like I didn't really take into account, uh, the success that Cantlay and and Shoffley have had together in president's cups and Ryder cups. Uh, they play extremely well together and I'm sure, you know, Davis love and Zach Johnson love what they saw from, uh, from the young West coast duo, but it was interesting yeah. to see, you know, how they met. They weren't even friends in college. They played, you know, Xander at the San Diego State and Cantlay at UCLA. They grew up playing junior golf together. But <clears throat> Xander said, you know, Patrick was twice the golfer that he was. And, um, you know, they ended up connecting over a game of gin rummy on the way to the first uh, President's Cup. So that's kind of how that bond started. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, just listening to some of the press conferences throughout the week, you had like, Morikawa talking about how he was, you know, almost slid into Hovland's DMs and was, uh, 
you know, not getting much feedback from Hovland. It seemed like he had to work pretty hard to get that pairing. Unfortunately, it didn't, you know, end up working out for them this week. But yeah, I wonder if there's a way they can somewhat, you know, whether it's tweak the format a little bit. So maybe there'd be an individual trophy and a team trophy or some sort of thing where I just, I didn't, I mean, obviously we got NBA playoffs on and a couple other things. Um, I didn't really feel like I needed to watch <laughs> too much golf. this no. weekend. I didn't feel like I was missing out on too much, but we are back to regular golf this week. So let's get into it. Um, the first edition of the Mexico open kicks off this week on the PGA tour in Puerto Vallarta. Um, I believe they've had the Mexico open in the past, you know, they have had the WGC, they have had uh, the Mayakoba, but this is the Mexico open. Um, this is anything but a field of dreams, unless you're John Rom. You know, he's got to kind of feel like that 15-year-old in 13-15 division. You know, he's that kid who probably should be playing in the upper age group and hits it like 30 yards past everyone. You know, maybe has to shave every other couple of days when, you know, other guys are just coming out of fifth grade. You can kind of beat up on him. That's kind of what this field is, and we've seen that in the way he's priced. You know, you've seen him plus 350, you know, four to one in some areas. Uh, yeah, looking at this this uh, field, once you get past the top three or four guys, this is borderline like a barbasol field, Doc. You agree? I, I completely agree. And, you know, it's a it's a tournament uh, that has a strength of field of um, yeah, less than 400. And we'll get into Rom, but he's never finished better than 17th in a field this week. So, yeah, it's you know, once you, if you drop Rom out of this field, it it's, it's like below the Puerto Rico open and, and Bermuda championship. It's, it's, it's near a corn freight tour event. Yeah. And kind of breaking news. We just had Daniel Berger drop out as well. Correct. Yeah. Berger and chapel withdrew yesterday. They're not in the field, which yeah. is a, it's a bummer. Berger was the best player in the field by a mile and, and chapels had some good mojo. There was some really good. Besides Rom, right. Besides Rom, we're saying that. Right. Besides Rom. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, yeah, but, you know, looking at the ranking, four players inside the top 25 in the official world golf ranking. You know, if you're someone like Aram, you probably feel like you can win this with your C game. Uh, do we know the appearance fee situation outside outside the border? Are you is PJ Tour allowed to give Raman uh, appearance fee? I'm actually shocked he's playing, especially when you have a good event next week, like Wells Fargo, um, the PGA coming up. This almost seems like an event for him where he hasn't won in a while. Let's just like, let's, you know, let's kind of start to fill up that trophy case because it's been a while since he's won at the U S open, uh, you know, what that's going on a year now. Yeah. We haven't seen Rom, uh, since he came in 27th, the masters of course, continued to not putt well there. And, uh, that's where we left off with the storyline with Rom, not putting particularly good this year has lost strokes on the greens in his last five events. And, a uh, note I mentioned earlier, you know, he kind of comes to these weaker fields every now and then and, and doesn't particularly perform that well. Uh, so plus 470 this week as a favorite. Don't love Rom. I don't know what the sponsorship situations are, who, you know, who's paying who. Uh, but, yeah, I do find it very interesting that, that he, he's making an appearance this week. So we're going with the Kepka storyline a little bit with Rom. He doesn't really get up for these, you know, weaker fields like a some maybe like a Cameron Tringali does. I would completely agree. I don't think he's going to pack it in and miss the cut, but there's definitely a little trend there about a sample size of six, six to seven events where he goes to these weaker fields and just doesn't quite show up. 
kind of like a burger, except he actually makes it to the first tee. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> a little burger dig. All right. So the golf course this week is Vedanta Vallarta, Vallarta. Sorry, that was butchered. Vedanta Vallarta. It's the first time a PJ Tour event has been held here. So obviously we won't be able to look at course history. You know, makes you think that it could be somewhat advantageous to look at some of the younger guys on tour, given the fact that there aren't these, you know, PGA tour veterans that are playing their 11th start at a course like Harbor town. It's kind of a new course for everyone. Doc, you kind of like that mindset coming in here um, in the sense that everybody's a PGA tour rookie this week. Absolutely. Uh, no one's seen this golf course. Uh, you know, it's, there, there's certainly a fair share of comparisons led. I know you have some inside information on the course, so uh, we can get yeah, more so, into that. Yeah, with those course, course comps that I've seen, um, Caves Valley is one, which uh, hosted a playoff event last year. Unfortunately, not many of the guys that are playing this week uh, made it to that stage of the playoffs. Um, but another one, which is a familiar uh, course and event for most of you guys, is Cocoa Beach, where they had the Puerto Rico Open. Um, plantations course at Kapalua where the tournament of champions is that's another course comp that many of the guys in this field uh, have not competed in but there certainly are some guys that have but yeah most of the courses kind of fit that framework of wide open with a decent amount of wind in the afternoons um, doc I think even looking at a couple of these courses that are on the regular schedule that are on islands or are on coasts uh, makes sense uh, from a course comparison standpoint, ones that kind of jump out or, you know, we talked about it, Puerto Rico, Dominican, uh, even the Butterfield Bermuda Championship should be, you know, somewhat similar in the sense that, yeah, it might be seven mile an hour winds in the morning when you're warming up. But man, if you get that 2 p.m. afternoon tea time, that wind will really start to pick up and, uh, and wreak havoc for sure. Um, and from, you know, a standpoint of the length of the golf course, it's extremely long. So this course actually used to be a par 73. Uh, for some people that thought, you know, Greg Norman maybe hasn't completely lost it. Well, he designed this golf course in 2015, par 73, six par fives. So I don't know, uh, you know, quite an interesting uh, strategy there. Well, it sets up, you know, who it sets up perfectly for is Greg Norman. You know, it, it, if you watch the, uh, if you watch the 30 for 30 on Greg, you know, he, he struggled with his tee balls down the stretch. He enjoyed long golf courses. And uh, that's exactly what we're getting this week as Led's about to explain, you know, really long or, uh, you know, big landing areas. Guys can kind of close their eyes and just bomb at one of those courses. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, you know, there, I guess there's some lead, there's some water on, you know, there, yeah, there's quite there's a bit of water. There's some water, but for, for the most part, the landing areas are pretty, uh, you know, pretty doable, right? Yeah. Uh, even for a shot that you're not going to be too excited about, you're going to be able to hit your approach shot. Um, so you're, to, yeah, to you're the, not going to be dropped. To, to the point where driving accuracy for a longer hitter is like the last thing that we're looking at this week. Yeah, exactly. So like we said, par 73 when it was originally designed, it's now a par 71. They pre- they converted uh, two of those par fives, two of those original six par fives into par fours. So it's a par 71 that measures almost 7,500 yards. Now, you know, realistically, if this was a par 72, this is in that 7,800 yard range, almost up to that 8,000 yard range. So extremely long, 
Um, we're going to have seven par fours that are going to play over 490. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where if you hit a couple of these par fours and you're in to win, like, geez, they're, you know, they might as well be par fives. A par doesn't really yeah. matter at that point. Um, I'm also shocked just the fact, yes, it is a Greg Norman design we talked about. I'm surprised PGA aren't kind of uh, boycotting Norman designs. I could kind of see that as a thing they potentially do in the future. But, you know, a lot of these events are pre-planned two, three plus years out. So probably too late to change it. I'm sure if they, you know, came up with the schedule yesterday, they would definitely be voiding the uh, the Norman ones. Um, but, yeah, the court, like we said, the course is very forgiving off the tee, wide open. Uh, I think, you know, given that, we're going to have to look at some of the longer guys in the field. So my brother is actually caddying at this event this week. He has a student um, who he teaches who's from Mexico. He qualified. And my brother's What's his name? Has- it's, it's, it's Jose. Jose Antonio Safa. Jose Antonio Safa. Let's and, go. Uh, yeah. So he's going to Missouri uh, next year. He's making his first PJ tour start. He's, you know, 17, 18 years old. So it'll be a great experience for him. But my brother's been, you know, out there walking the courts and stuff. And one of the things he said is if you can carry it over 300, like you just have a huge advantage on the field. Just the fact that you'll be able to take on dog legs, you'll be able to take on um, some bunkers that most guys can carry. And just the fact that, you know, we're looking at seven par fours over 490. If you have 20 yards on every guy in the field, I mean, just a huge advantage. Uh, You know, look at this golf course. This is not a Y-Lie. This is not an Innsbruck. This is not a Harvard Town. This is not, you know, point A to point B. It's literally, you know, we can keep the driver head cover off the entire round this week. And even the way the, the grass is and the fairways, supposedly you're not getting really more than two, three, four yards of roll on each shot. So another reason to take some of these bombers that, you know, carry the ball a long ways and, uh, you know, aren't reliant on a, you know, on a shot that needs to roll 20 yards to get out to that 280, 290 uh, number. Led, uh, so 106, 106 bunkers on this golf course, second most on tour, but I've, I've heard you can confirm they're not necessarily in play on the fairways, but they're more uh, cave-like bunkers around the green. Can you confirm that? Yeah. And that was the next point. Deep bunkering around the greens requires accurate approaches on your second shots. I think, you know, it makes sense to even look at some bunker play statistics if you can. I don't, you know, maybe a Hovland might be a guy you'd fade if you know he's going to have 15, 20 bunker shots and only going to get three or four of them up and down. Um, the greens normally run pretty slow, especially during, you know, this isn't an island uh, course, but it is right on the coast. They can't get these greens like running Augusta or running 12, you know, 12 and a half. 10, because 5. The fact, huh? 10, 5 from what I've yeah, read. That, that's right. We don't have the exact stint measurement, but they have to keep them slow enough that if they do get a 25, 30 mile an hour win, like ball's not going to blow off the green and you don't have to start, you know, three footers a cup out um, if it's a flat putt. But the greens are kind of a slow, sticky pass column. And we'll, do, we'll see you do a good job of adjusting to that. Um, to me, for the most part, I think, you know, if the greens are perfect, if they're really fast, you know, I think that favors the better putters because they can kind of separate themselves, right? When we got, you know, slow greens and you got a 20 footer that you might have to play wind on, I think that becomes a little bit of an equalizer for the weaker putters in the field. You know, someone like a Kevin Naw is not going to be able to walk in seven footers this week because the greens are so slow, right? Like, uh, you know, so from that standpoint, how I'm looking at it, I think it, uh, I think the slower greens, the uh, 
you know, we see that a lot of the times in Lynx golf when we go over for the British Open, right? Like guys that are really putting well kind of struggle over there because you have to take a, you know, you have to whack it from seven feet. So we'll definitely look at guys who, uh, not necessarily bad putters, but, um, you know, guys that are reliant on putting in their games, I think can be somewhat of a fade this week, just given the fact that this will be a, you know, a completely different service than what they're used to they're used to putting on uh, the stats. will consider driving distance. We talked about strokes, gain of approach proximity over 200 yards with those five part threes. I think bunker play will be, you know, worth looking at as well. And then doc. Yeah. Weather report wise uh, I've seen pretty much 15 miles an hour sustained with potential gusts over 20. And uh, you know, just like a lot of these golf courses on the coast in the afternoon, the wind does have a tendency to pick up, you'd say, right. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Great inside this week um, with James's brother on the bag. The format for today's show, we'll go through some of the favorites, five or six of the favorites. We'll work through the matchups, the picks to place, uh, dark horses, give you a couple winners, uh, give you a scoring prediction, give you a lineup, um, and, and cap it off with a degenerate bet. We'll get into a good conversation regarding Kevin Na and our degenerate bet. And then finish you off finish it off with a uh <clears throat> with a best bet so let's get into john rom we'll start off john rom at plus 470 to win this golf tournament uh to start off in the favorites and like i said i haven't seen john rom since his 27th place finish at the masters um you know a week in which we successfully faded him on the podcast due to his up and down putting in 2022 and something to watch with Rob, Michael Allen, who is on the Champions Tour, uh, went on Golf Subpar podcast with Colton Yost and Drew Stoltz and said that John Rahm is implementing kickboxing uh, into his training routine and that Rom would be the best UFC fighter um, on tour. Uh, you know, this, you know, led, are, are we seeing kind of a, um, a comparison to, you know, Bryson DeChambeau becoming the greatest long drive clown on the PGA Tour uh, as Rom in, invests in some kickboxing. I mean, that's that's something to be concerned about. Yeah, I mean, I assume it's more for the cardio versus the actual fighting skills. Um, you know, that belly does have a tendency to, uh, you know, bloat up a little bit. Um, you know, I think we're all we all have the potential of that maybe during the winter times or whatever. But uh yeah, it's good to see him taking his health seriously. Hopefully he doesn't have to use it out there. I'm sure Netflix special would love that. Well, I'm hoping he doesn't get hurt, pull a Bryson, and, you know, you have surgery, and then you're done for the season. So we'll mm. keep an eye on that. I found that interesting. I don't know if there's any correlation between the kickboxing and the bad putting. We'll keep you informed on that. Uh, the question with Rom is, you know, are the putting and short game issues for real, or has this just been a bit of a slump uh, you know, he had the last five to six weeks. I, I, I'm looking into it a little bit more. I mean, you know, we're, we're sitting here on six weeks in a row where he's not been able to get it together on the greens. He's minus 200 to top 10, uh, which is something he has not done since the Phoenix Open. And the fact is uh, he, he's, he has not played well in events uh, with a strength of field lower than 400 of the last two years. Nothing better than a 14th place finish at the Amex. So, um, you know, for me, not a whole like to like with Rom this week. Yeah, I'm out on Rom. I think the only way you can really play him is potentially in like a DraftKings lineup or something, just because you almost, 
can't overprice him. You know, you know what you're getting in a guy who's top three in the field, tee to green or, you know, off the tee and approach. Um, but yeah, plus 350, I've seen him in some spots, plus 470 on FanDuel. I just think that's, I mean, golf's way too hard a sport to, you know, play that kind of number on. It's such a random sport too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'd be shocked if he doesn't end up finishing in the top 10, but yeah, the top 10 number is awful too. So there's no plays for me on ROM this week. Getting into our next guy, Abraham answer 12 to one. I think it's safe to say that this is his national championship, right? Um, the Mexican native is sixth on the president's cup points list and is really one great week away from solidifying his spot on the international team. Um, Doc, in terms of the guys that are looking forward to this event, I'd say this is probably, uh, you know, answer being number one on the list. I'm sure he circled this on his calendar, wants to have a good showing this week. Uh, in terms of recent form, Abraham has missed the last two, his last two cuts on tour, and has not had a top 10 since November. It just so happens that that last top 10 was at the Mayakoba Classic in Mexico. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of that Brooks Kepka theory got up for the, you know, for the Mexico event. Um, but yeah, looking at his stats, nothing really jumps out at you and tells you he's going to play well this week, besides the fact that he, you know, I guess he's comfortable at home, but if anything, I think there's more pressure on him to perform well, um, you know, given that, uh, so, you know, we do have a so-so field. I just think 12, you know, 12 to one is a bit steep for a guy who has one tour win and really hasn't shown much form as of late. Yeah, when this opened, uh, when the numbers opened, they had Daniel Berger at 26 to 1 and, and Abraham Answer at 12 to 1. Uh, and exactly like Led said from T to Green, Abraham Answer has not been solid and has missed his last two cuts. I don't know. I'm pretty convinced that this number is inflated because, you know, he, he's from this part of the world. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to fall for it and, and neither should you. Okay, and moving into our next guy, Tony Finau at 20 to 1 on FanDuel. I have seen him on DraftKings at 25 to 1, and that number is a little more enticing. So, you know, Tony is certainly one of the guys that jumped out um, as a guy in, these, in the favorites that fits this golf course, right? He averages over 300 off the tee, as we well know. You know, really has effortless power. It seems like Doc, with just the three quarter swing, he's able to, uh, you know, create the same amount of power as a, a lot of the top guys in that category. I guess the only really other guy that stands out in that aspect would be a ROM who can kind yeah. of be that three quarter swing guy and is able to create that speed. Um, you know, Tony broke through with a win at the Northern trust last year and then really kind of fell off the map uh, in terms of last fall to, you know, January, February, that time period, he has not actually registered a top 10 since then, you know, after a rough uh, start to the year, like I talked about, a couple missed cuts, he has steadied the ship a little bit um, with top 40s in his last two starts. Now, it sounds weird for a guy who was a top 10 machine to be getting excited about top 40s, but, you know, that's how kind of bad it got. It was like, you know, we're happy he made the cut kind of thing, yeah, uh, right. earlier on in the year. So, you know, a stat we do love is he's picked up shots with his approach shot in 11 of his last 12 starts. So the irons haven't, you know, completely gone off the face here. The putting has been a little suspect, but I really do think he's going to be able to take advantage of the par fives this week. Right. So we're going to have our four par fives. We're going to have our uh, seven par fours playing over 490. So, you know, you take the pars away, whatever. 
you're pretty much working with 11 par fives, right? So there's not many guys in the field that you really rather have playing a par five than a guy like Tony Finau. Now, when you can, when you compare it to a ROM at plus, what is he? 470 we were looking at. Yes. And you can get a guy like Tony at 25 to one. To me, I think that's worth, worth taking. Even comparing that to, you know, Abraham answer at 12 to one, you're getting Tony at double his odds. Um, even in the way the, the books have priced him, they have these guys in a matchup, uh, sorry, Finau versus uh, Abraham answer. And it's pretty much a pick them. But when I'm looking at their, uh, you know, price points for an outright winner, uh, Tony's double the odds there. So for me, he's actually going to be my first, uh, first, sorry, pick to win at 25 to one on draft kings. I do love Tony this week, right? We got 11. I'm just going to say it. We got 11 par fives this week and he's one of the best, you know, par five players in the world. One of the longest guys in the world. And I just think he's going to do great this week. Yeah. Great look this week. Big bomber. Uh, with the accuracy, you know, not really being a factor off the tee. And then in the last 12 rounds, he's the fifth best uh, ball striker as far as approach uh, is concerned. So great look on Tony. Seems like he's starting to get it back. 29th of Valero, 35th of Masters. So, yeah, for sure. And I think now he doesn't do this often. I People don't know this, but when Tony Finau like first came out on tour and he was like this high variance golfer, right? He would like miss the cut or finish yeah. in the top 20 every other week. And it was part of the fact that, I mean, he used to have like a full swing rip doc. We've seen some of the videos. The guy can hit 200 ball speed. Like if he wants to, you know? Yeah. So given the fact that now granted, I don't think he's all of a sudden going to start going two gloves, long drive out here. Uh, but it is the fact that it is so forgiving off the tee. Maybe we'll kind of take the governor off the driver Absolutely. Uh, this, week, this week a little bit um, and take advantage of the fact that he's going to be hitting eight iron when other guys are hitting four irons. And another guy who can take the governor off of it this week, Gary Woodland at 26 to one. Uh, you know, this is a guy who, who's kind of finally showed up to the party in 2022 during the Florida swing after a brutal fall. Uh, you know, he had fantastic opportunity at the Honda and was right there on the 71st hole with the chance to win at the Arnold Palmer. Now his last start was a miscut at the masters where we cashed a mashup ticket on him against Cameron young. I, you know, I would not look into Woodland's performance performance at Augusta uh, because he'll never have the short game to win there. And the same thing goes for the players. There's no point. And looking at those starts when talking about Woodland at Vallarta this weekend, you know, I, I, there is, you know, as we talked about, what, six most uh, water, water, water danger holes um, on the PGA Tour at Vallarta this week, but none really, as Led said, have to do with the tee shot, which is, as far as accurate, accuracy is concerned, that's the only thing that you have to kind of look at with Woodland. Uh, this is I mean, not it's, a it's 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 all it's all uh relative, right? Right. You could have a golf course with water on every hole, but if you got 75 yard wide fairways, right? You're not too concerned about it. You know, we mentioned it earlier. Um now it's not quite century turning of champions, uh Kapalua, where you know, put a blindfold on, you'll hit that fairway. But for the most part, yeah, you're not gonna be needing to hit three irons off the tee to to, to yeah. keep it out of the water. I think a decent proxy for the T-ball 
is, uh, you know, I know it's a tougher golf course once you get, get around the greens, but TPC San Antonio uh, with the Valero mm-hmm. is Woodland finished eighth there uh, a week before the Masters. So I think this is a good spot for Gary Woodland. Um, I, I am, you know, I'm going to be looking at a winning ticket on him this week and uh, we'll definitely be talking about him later on in the pod. Yeah, Doc. Um, I'm not going to be placing a winning ticket on him this week, but yeah, I think at that number, that's definitely uh, worth a look. I like that. Starting with our next guy, Patrick Reed at 26 to one on FanDuel, but he's all over the place. I've seen him 35 to one on DraftKings and even 40 to one in some spots. So if you do like a Patrick Reed, make sure you do a little shopping. Uh, So here's some interesting driver stats. 2020, Patrick Reed averaged 296 off the tee. In 2021, he averaged 291 off the tee. This year, he's averaging 285. Now, Doc, this is like an NBA player when they're, you know, 37, 36 years old. Like, the stats start to tail off. But we don't really see this happen in golf, especially someone as young as Patrick Reed, who's not really close to his 40s. Um, Unless a guy's suffered a significant injury, um, we don't really normally see a distance fall off like that, especially the fact that now we can kind of start to trace it over a two year period. Now, I know last fall he was in the hospital, almost like near death experience and um, double pneumonia after the COVID. Yeah, it was was like a scary time uh, for him, but. I'm not exact. I don't know. I don't want to read too much into uh, the. I just. I don't think a guy at his level would just lose like 12, 15 yards just right. out of the blue. You know, whether it's a bit of a weird thing where on the holes they're measuring on and drivers, he's hit some bad shots and hit a tree off the tee box. That's one of what's funny is my buddy uh, who's playing a corn fairy event. Granted, not going to be as accurate as PGA Tour. But he hit a tree one time on the hole that they're like uh, recording driving distance. He like hit a limb off the tee box and it like went like 62 yards. And he had, to, he had to, that like was like a 10 yard knock like on his end of the year driving distance stats. Right. So some of these things, you know, they got to do a better job there. Yeah, certainly. And I'm not saying that's the case here, but man. If I go out and play Patrick Reed and he wants to hit, hit one 300, I feel like he can, you know, especially yeah. if he's not worried about, um, you know, too many hazards out there, which will be the case this week. Anyways, as bad as Patrick drives it, I think most of the strokes he's lost off the tee has been more of the, his inaccuracies rather than that distance. Okay. Um, this week, he should be able to spray it a bit and still be able to hit his next shot with no issues. Right. So he's not going to be dropping too often. And, Honestly, are there that many guys in this field you really rather have around the greens over Patrick Reed? Probably not. This is a guy who's when he's within 30 yards of the green or whenever he's on the green, he's trying to hold it. Um, When we look at his stats, right, we do love a recent somewhat recent result in uh, in Bermuda at the Butterfield where he finished runner up there. Pretty similar conditions in terms of, you know, a little bit slower greens, higher winds, but, you know, Actually, I just saw it 40 to one on DraftKings. When you look at this field, the guys he's next to, I mean, for sure, this field, like, right, we have our top couple guys. We got Roms. We got some, you know, Woodlands and Finaus. But then, you know, once we look at a guy like Patrick Reed who has multiple PGA Tour wins, I mean, we really start to fall off here. So, honestly, rounding everything together, 
I think Patrick Reed is, you know, with his short game and the fact that he's going to be able to spray a little bit, I think Patrick Reed at 40 to one, um, you know, is worth a, a winning ticket, but I definitely like him in some picks to place. Cause I think we're still getting him at a discount given the fact that he hasn't quite gotten his game completely back, but I'd rather get on, get on it now before, uh, you know, he has a win and then we're not able to really play him for a while. Yeah, he's one guy I feel like, you know, you can kind of toss the stats out the window in a field like this and someone that you can rely on to step on some throats in a lower tier event. He did it at the Bermuda, um, has done it a couple other times throughout his career. I think uh, if you're looking for someone still putting fantastic, looking for some, you know, someone that doesn't quite have the stats for this week, but could kind of step back onto the scene. It's going to be Patrick Reed. And I don't remember the exact place he finished at the players, but the one stat I do remember, he made the cut. And I think he finished maybe in the top 30, top 40. 26. He actually started 26. He picked up nine shots putting, right? Yeah. So I'm not necessarily saying, okay, he's going to be able to do that this week. But in terms of like a course setup, this is a hundred times better for a guy like Patrick Reed, uh, you know, wide so open. Gross short game contest, which is pretty much what it is from what I've heard, right? Of course, you want to be able to, uh, if you can hit your driver 30 yards past everyone, but the fact that no one's going to be taking many drops, we're not going to be, you know, reteaming that often. I think it's really going to be a bit of a, you know, 50 yards in end game, and there's no one you'd rather have than a Patrick Reed. Okay, so that's Patrick Reed at 26 to 1 on to – Kevin Na, who's also at 26 to 1. And I'm not overly impressed with the numbers from Kevin Na rolling into this week. The last time uh, we played Kevin Na was that awesome dark horse top 20 ticket at Augusta. And, you know, I just don't think the wide open coastal golf course in Vallarta really fits Na's game at the moment. His numbers off the tee are horrible and at the second longest golf course on tour uh, that aspect of this track really does not set up for Kevin Na either so nothing playing on a guy in Kevin Na who uh, is desperately trying to make his case to make one of the upcoming President's Cup or Ryder Cup teams and part of that case is being able to play well on these longer golf courses that don't necessarily set up well for him it's going to be his knock uh, come the time when they have to make captain's picks, you know, uh, he doesn't compete well in these longer golf courses. That's just all there is to it. Yeah. I think the ceiling, <clears throat> he just has a pretty low ceiling to be honest this week when the fact that he's going to be hitting hybrids and five woods in on his yeah. second shot, right? Like even really is, I, mean, I think you would have to literally have like an unbelievable ball striking week for him to even have a chance to contend when you compare him to like even a woodland at a, you know, at a similar number just makes way more sense because, you know, not just everything would have to go right. He'd have to bring his, you know, walk in putting, make everything inside 50 feet kind of game. And then he'd also have to just be flagging five woods, right. On a consistent basis. So yeah, for me, see, that's the issue with the stats. Do we actually think Kevin Na hits it further than Patrick Reed? There's no way, but statistically that, that supposedly is the case that, you know, Nah hits at 286 and Reed hits at 285. So that's, you know, one of the things that you somehow, of course, you if Cameron Champ's average in 320, we can take that. We know the fact that he's that long, right? But a guy like Kevin Nah is short. We know that. You know what I mean? No doubt. No doubt. I think uh, 
you know, and, and yeah, that's something that they have to reevaluate the whole shot league thing. I hear that from former tour players on Twitter all the time, how off uh, the distance is on the PGA tour, but that will do for our top five or six favorites. Uh, we'll move into the matchups here uh, for the Mexico open. I'll start with Scott Stallings over Chad Ramey minus one twenty on DraftKings. I really like Scott Stallings this week who, uh, is coming off a miscut at the RBC. His drive, driving accuracy numbers are not the best, but with the big landing areas, uh, he's one of those guys where that won't necessarily matter. Uh, a lot like a Gary Woodland, a lot like a Sahith Gala, someone that can just kind of bomb it, you know, and we have to throw the accuracy numbers out the door. You have to take into account he had the T13 finish at the Valero and played Extremely well in Bermuda back in October. Uh, Grand Reserve, of course, another course that is uh, in close proxy in some regards to Vallarta this week. And Chad Bramey, you know, a player who, yes, won at Corrales, a course that we're really taking into consideration this week. But other than that, is an unproven player on the PGA Tour as far as consistency is concerned. Uh, so my first matchup is going to be Scott uh, No Bull. Scallings over uh, over Chad Ramey at minus one twenty. Yeah, I'd like to. I'm taking Scott Stallings probably in a cage fight with Rom, even with the kickboxing expertise. Uh, if they, if we ever have that head to head, but Doc, yeah, I like that pick um, for sure. Doc, great in, great point there. And who would make the best UFC fighter on the PGA Tour? I, that's oh, one. I'm I'm taking Stallings over Rom. Man, some of those workouts just look. Like those Bulgarian deadlifts, just look. Yeah, you gotta experience some pain to uh to like to like doing those. You know what I mean? It's like who hurt you for the guy who's doing that in the gym? Um, but yeah, moving into my first head to head, I am going to take Russell Knox over Mark Hubbard minus one ten. That can be found on DraftKings. Russell Knox is the second best iron player in this field. Now, growing up in Scotland, you'd assume he'd be pretty comfortable playing in high winds. This is one of those guys who's probably drooling at 2 p.m. if it's a 35-mile-an-hour wind because uh, that's a calm day in, in Scotland. Um, you know, we only have to go back to last, you know, a month ago here at the Players where he finished sixth place, uh, you know, with those crazy conditions. Now, I don't think we're going to be expecting whether that's a fear, severe, but, you know, it goes to show he can uh, play well in those conditions. Um Doc, when he wins this matchup, we will be referring to him as Russell Knockdown going forward. Do you like that nickname? Do you think that could uh, that could potentially stick, given the fact that he could just flight some shots this week? Absolutely. Unbelievable numbers in the wind uh, this year for Knox. Yeah. And, you know, Rus Russell has picked up strokes tee to green in four teams his last 15 starts. So really consistent ball striker. I think from a matchup standpoint, I'm always going to take the ball striker over the guy that relies on the flat stick. Um, in contrast, we got Mark Hubbard, who's lost strokes off the tee in six of his last seven starts, and he's only had two top 20s on the season. Now, to finish top 20, he's had to pick up more than five strokes on the greens for that to occur, which goes to show he is completely reliant on the putter and worth a fade in a matchup. Um, Hubbard missed the cut in his last start at the Corrales Punta Cana. Um, so not really much to like with this guy. So just recapping, we're getting a consistent ball striker versus a guy who struggles off the tee and only top twenties. If he makes every single putt he looks at 
So I will lead Russell knockdown in his uh, matchup over Mark Hubbard at minus 110. Lad, I love the play with, uh, with Russell Knox. Unfortunately, I do not agree with, uh, with fading Hubbard this week. Um, although the Russell knocks over Hubbard, that's the best look out of that matchup. I'm taking Mark Hubbard over Lanto Griffin at minus 125 over on Barstool Sportsbook. And, uh, you know, I, as far as Mark was Hubbard boosted? is. Was that boosted <laughs> on Barstool? <laughs> yeah. They no, no I don't. That. I don't get a free sweatshirt if I hit this sled. I don't, (laughs) unfortunately, (laughs) you know, it's, uh, you're exactly right. And I hated all of the other Hubbard options, um, on FanDuel, on DraftKings. Um, I forgot, I know I saw the Knox one, you know, which I'm in agreement with, with you led. I think Knox is a great option this week, definitely better than Hubbard, but I can't help myself here. You know, Lanto Griffin has been, absolutely atrocious over his last five starts uh, dating back to the Arnold Palmer in by missed the cut at the players, missed the cut at the ballast bar and then missed the cut at the RBC in his last start. Uh, you know, homeless Hubbard. Um, he's had a couple phenomenal showings um, at a couple courses in close proxy to this tournament, 22nd um, at Bermuda. And, you know, if you're looking for other good recent play out of Hubbard, I mean, PGA National has no comparison really to this course, but he finished 15th there. So there's some wind my, out there. We saw some yeah, weather, right? A little tougher tee shots, water on every shot, bunker on every <laughs> yeah. shot, anything you could think of uh, when it comes to Florida golf, PGA National has as far as the hazards are concerned. So uh, I'm going to trust Mark Hubbard here in, in this matchup. It's going to be Mark Hubbard over Lanto Griffin at minus 125 on Barstool Sportsbook. No sweatshirt if, if we win. No sweatshirt. Okay. Love it. Yeah, I just – I hope Mark Hubbard plays medium, right? Russell Knox can beat him, and then yeah. he can beat uh, – I think Knox will contend this week. I really do. Yeah, I mean, uh, I got to look at a ticket on him. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's been pretty consistent all this year. I think he had, like, a stretch where he went, like, eight or nine top 40s in a row or something. But, um, yeah, moving into our next matchup, Cameron Tringali over Kevin Naw minus 120. I love this matchup for Cameron um, Tringali. He's coming off a tied 12th at Harbortown where he picked up strokes in every category. Now, Tringali's calling card is that he cleans up in weak fields. I believe he has the most – he's made the most money on tour without a win. Um, I don't think he gets a belt quite as big as a Zurich for that, but uh, you know, still a nice feat um, to have. So, you know, I think the way, you know, Tringali normally plays, right? Oh, it's an invitational. It's Arnold Palmer. Yeah, let's book a trunk slam on Friday for Tringali. <laughs> oh, there are 75 guys in the field you've never heard of, and it's a borderline corn fairy event. Book a top 20 for Tringali. And that is what we're working with here. You know, we got 75, you know, realistically 50 guys that are never really going to get the chance to play a, a regular PJ Tour event kind of competing this week. Somewhat similar in the sense that, um, you know, you go back to last week, even uh, with a couple of those guys playing, the Peter Ulines of the world are, are getting into this uh, no problem. One guy I'm actually, you know, off topic here, shocked that is not playing is Ricky Fowler. Wow. This would have been I didn't a notice great, that either. Yeah. This would have been a great week, I feel like, for him to, you know, get a little T17. <laughs> I don't know exactly what his uh, 
status is, but at some point the start's got to be kind of dwindling. Um, but we do know a lot of the reason why this, first of all, first year of this event, so let's not go too hard on it, but also the fact that if you're playing this week, then you got to go to right Wells Fargo, which could not be further. I mean, that's got to be like the longest in, in country travel you can possibly, or you're not in country, but you know, uh, that's got to be one of the longest travels from week to week uh, on the PJ tour schedule. So that's probably the reasoning behind this week, week of a field. Anyway, sorry, sidetrack there back to Ken, uh, Cameron Tringali over Kevin Na minus minus one hundred and twenty. So the T ball is where Tringali normally struggles a little bit. It's not because he's short. He actually averages close to 300 off the T. It's just the fact that he sprays it a little bit. Um, you know, I think the wider fairways this week at Vallarta will help a guy like Cameron, who normally does have the irons dialed in. But let's contrast him to a guy like Kevin Na. Kevin Na has lost strokes off the tee in nine of his last 10 starts. I cannot think of a worse course setup for a guy like Kevin Na. But Kevin is another guy in this field. Why are you playing? You know, is he trying to get his game sharp for the first Saudi event? Uh, you know, it is a Greg Norman. It was, is Greg Norman in his ear trying to, uh, you know, maybe he has a couple insider tips on the course, yeah. but it just seems like a, you know, we got the Wells Fargo, Fargo next week, got the PGA coming up. It just seems like a long way to go for Kevin not to play this week of a field. Um, yeah. Golf course wise, long and wide open just seems like the absolute opposite of what you're looking for. Uh, if you are Kevin, not, you know, he does have uh, some good results at, as of late played pretty good at the masters. <laughs> but also has WD's MCs along the way for a guy who likes to walk in putts, you know, not exactly sure he's going to be able to do that this week when you've got 30 mile an hour wind off the left and the greens are rolling at like a, a 10 past Palum. So, uh, you know, at, in terms of this number, I think you are, everybody sees Kevin Nong kind of drools, but I'm taking the other side of that. I do like Cameron Tringali over Kevin Nong minus 120. Doc, let's even factor the point, factor in the fact that, you know, Kevin Nod does kind of have a tendency to check out early in some of these events when it's not going his going his way in the first couple of rounds here. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. But yeah, for my other head to head this week, I'm going to take Cameron Chingali over Kevin Na minus 120. Yeah, I like that play. Uh, Kevin, <clears throat> we're going to talk about this in the, in the degen bet. I think he's almost a sure thing to pack the bags on Friday um, for my next matchup. I'm going to go Gary Woodland over Cameron Tringali minus 114 on Barstool Sportsbook. Exactly like Russell Knox. I don't think that Cameron Tringali is a, a bad option by any means this week. I think it's a sure thing that he's inside the top 40 and, and maybe gets in the mix this week. But at the same time, I think Woodland uh, will be in one of the final two groups on Sunday with a chance to win. And we'll talk more about him when we get to our winning picks. But the bottom line is I think Vegas is paying uh, more attention to the fact that Woodland missed the cut at the players and the masters rather than taking into consideration that neither one of those courses suits his game. So uh, for my next matchup, uh, it's going to be Gary Woodland over Cameron Tringali at minus 114 on Barstool Sportsbook. Uh, and, Doc, handicapping some of the matchups this week, I feel like it's been a little bit difficult because you're not exactly doing Jordan Speed versus Justin Thomas, right? It's like, you know, Joe Schmo versus whoever in, in the sense that 
you're looking back at these guys' stats, it's like, man, they both missed four out of the last eight cuts. What are they going to turn up this week? You know, it's a bit of a coin flip in that aspect. But yeah, um, hopefully we have those, you know, we're, I wouldn't say, I mean, we're not fading each other in any of the matchups, but there's wiggle room for us to both win. So hopefully that's the case. Yeah, and the situation with Hubbard, you know, you just kind of hope that and believe, you know, uh, Griffin's missed his last four cuts. You just hope that he swings and misses and, um, you know, and misses the cut by a mile. No, by no means were those two, uh, those last two picks uh, fading each other. Yeah, and when you compare it to, you know, we're pretty heavy this week in terms of the picks to plays. We're pretty heavy in terms of, you know, some of the matchups here. When you can get, uh, let's say, a head-to-head when you only need to meet, uh, beat one guy versus looking at a ROM ticket where it's plus, you know, plus 470 or whatever, and he's got to beat 150 guys, it just makes way more sense to, you know, look deeper into those matchups versus taking what you think is a sure thing as ROM, but who the hell knows, you know? Right, right. My last uh, matchup for this week is going to be CT Pan over Taylor Moore at minus 114 over on Barstool Sportsbook, no sweatshirt. Uh, Let me start by saying this regarding this matchup, which could be my best bet for the week. Taylor Moore has missed four of his last five cuts dating back to the Honda Classic. Once again, Taylor Moore has missed four of his last five cuts dating back to the Honda Classic, while C.T. Pan um, hasn't had any finishes inside top 40 since the Honda where he finished 16th. But uh, Pan has made every cut since and rakes uh, ninth in approach in the field this week. In addition, uh, Pan had a top 40 finish at Congaree last year, uh, which shows some resemblance uh, of Vallarta uh, this week. So my last matchup for this week is going to be C.T. Pan over Taylor Moore. The minus 114 on Barstool Sportsbook. Love it. Love it. And let's move right into those picks to place. For my first pick to place, I'm going to take Patrick Reed, top 20, plus 200. Um, let's see. As bad as Patrick's ball strike has been this season, he's still somehow the 15th best player in this field, T to green, uh, in his last 50 rounds. I think that's more just looking at the weakness of the field versus how Patrick's been hitting it. But, right, it's all relative here. Um, I mean, the fact that it's so forgiving off the tee, I mentioned this earlier, Doc, there's no point in spending five minutes on each of these picks to place if we've already kind of went over them in the favorite and stuff like that. But the fact that it's so forgiving off the tee, I think helps a guy like Patrick Reed, who has been struggling with the driver a little bit. Patrick is one of the best win players in the field. We're expecting some win here, especially on the weekend and, you know, later in the afternoon rounds, if he's right there, I think. Okay, let's say normally we got an invitational, right? And there's 90 guys playing versus the 150, right? You got to kind of recalibrate what a top 20 means versus a top 40. I think same kind of thing here. When we have that week of a field, right? I think these top 20s are actually a little a little roomier than, uh, than most. When you're looking at, you know, half these guys are not half these guys, but a lot of these guys are playing Corn Ferry Tour events every other event here and stuff. So a guy like Patrick, who, you know, multiple tour wins, best, you know, one of the best short games on tour. I have no problem taking a top 20 plus 200 for my first pick to place. And that was Patrick Reed. Okay. And for my first pick to place for the Mexico open this week, I'm going to go honor bond Lahiri top 40 plus plus one twenty on DraftKings Sportsbook. Now 
Bond is a player that popped up out of nowhere for the first time in a long time at the players. And uh, all we heard from nowhere, the, nowhere from nowhere, 366 in the world, you know, and, and, and showed up the players. And of course, uh, all we heard from the Twitter figureheads were that, uh, you know, Cam Smith victory at the players was unimpressive because Bond Lahiri ranked 336 in the world at the time was uh, the only player that, he, that Smith had to beat on the 72nd hole. I'm, I'm going to tell you this week that, you know, Mexico Open, it's a great spot to bet Bond. He followed that great week at the players with a 13th place finish at TPC San Antonio for the Valero. Uh, we've said it a couple times. It's another course that compares well uh, to the track that the guys are at this weekend. Although he's had glimpses uh, of bad iron play this year, I think Bond won't be uh, intimidated with the iron game this week uh, because the greens, uh, more so, you know, the the uh, prison uh, around the greens this week is probably going to be bunker play, and Bond gets up and down out of bunkers 51% of the time. So uh, I think his game in great shape rolling into Vallarta this week. So, my first pick to place is going to be Honor Bond Lahiri, top 40 plus 120 on DraftKings. Yeah. And from a palate stomach standpoint, I think he's going to be able to handle whatever Mexico has to throw at him in terms of spice, right? <laughs> With the, uh, I think Indian, you know, Indian curry, they can crank that a little more oh. than what any, than anything Mexico can do. It's, it's hotter than Thai hot lead. I, the yeah. Thai have nothing on, on curry power. I'll tell you that yeah. right now. Little Vindaloo, uh, that'll yeah, work for, that's uh, right. for anything Mexico right. has to offer. Um, for my next pick to place, I'm gonna take Cameron Champ, top 20 plus 250. This man is stupid long, okay? He's leading the PJ Tour in driving distance over 320 off the tee. The, the tour average is 296. You know, it's crazy to think that, you know, not only is he 24 yards past the average tour player, right? He's also hits his, you know, nine iron as far as everyone else's seven iron. So he's hitting sometimes five clubs less in uh, per round in terms of recent form. Okay. We're coming off a nice little top 10 finish at Augusta. You got some blustery conditions there, uh, which we could see here in Mexico. He obviously dealt with those pretty well, but doc, I'm just going from a high floor standpoint in terms of what Vallarta has to offer with the wide landing zones off the tee. To me, he can top 20 with almost, you know, with a great driving week alone, even if the putter doesn't show up. So plus 250 top 20 for Cameron Champ is a must play for my next pick to place. Okay, my my next pick to place is going to be Sebastian Munoz. Let me let me let me hold up right there. Yeah, I I, Cameron Champ. uh, Fine option this week. Okay, you know, the large landing zones will cut him a break, but. Other than that, he's been absolutely brutal besides the Masters, led Absolutely brutal. Uh, but listen, I respect the play. It's a lot like Sahith Begala this week, uh, who is a bomber, but has, you know, could possibly the worst look numbers-wise uh, rolling into this week. And, yes, besides Augusta, haven't seen much from Cameron Champ. I mean – but he is that he is that Mark Kalkovecchia player where he's going to show up at at six to eight venues a year and kind of miss the cut everywhere he's else. Just, I mean, 
multiple multiple time tour winner a little underrated yeah. right um but yeah uh i mean in this week of field top 20 i mean top 40 is like almost the same bet as like making the cut in a normal tour event especially when you have you know we've got 10 15 amateurs playing in this field you know what i'm saying shout out jose antonio safa uh but you know realistically realistically right um top 20 i'm not asking for i mean he doesn't need to throw this in his end of his career scrapbook kind of thing here uh i don't think that's uh, too much to ask uh you know that's why you know a lot of top 20s a lot of top 40s i think is worth a sprinkle especially if you can find them at a you know plus 250 ish type number Okay, on the champ you go. I'm moving on to Sebastian Munoz, top 20, uh, plus 140 on DraftKings. Ah, yes, welcome back, Sebastian Munoz. Uh, after we hit a, a top 40 ticket on Munoz at the players, he's taking some time off, uh, you know, takes some rest. Uh, prior to that, he had amassed four top 25 finishes on the year and ranks 48th in the FedEx Cup now. Remember the last time that Sebi Munoz was in Mexico, it was for the WGC uh, Mexico last season, and he finished 22nd while putting like an absolute idiot. I really like the way (laughs) Munoz has played on courses that compare to Vallarta. He didn't play well at Valero this year, uh, but it's had some excellent results there in the past. He's been so solid from Tita Green and is also an excellent bunker player. Uh, which will come in handy if you miss the greens. Remember, like we said, no rough here. Lots of bunkers, six most on tour. Uh, the last thing um, on Munoz, excellent player in the wind. And that's He's deep, right? He's deep, long off the tee, too. Long player, excellent in the winds. Um, that will start to kick up if he draws an afternoon tee time this week. So I love Sebastian Munoz, top 20, plus 140 on DraftKings. I want to say he's Venezuelan, right? He's Colombian. 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 So he's Colombian. I'm not good with my languages. Hey, I, I, I don't. Portuguese? I, What's going on there? What are they speaking in Colombia? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know he, the. Uh, he's I don't gonna know. He's going to be able to get himself around, let's say, of from a language course. standpoint. Of course. I don't know what the official language of Colombia is, but I do know this. I don't think. I think this is this is our uh, our Latin American guy who is not overpriced because he's from the same uh, you know area of the world that this yes. tournament is in. Answer is overpriced. Sebi Munoz not overpriced. People are talking. People are acting like Carlos Ortiz is Scotty Shuffler coming in this week. I know it. I know it. That's <laughs> such a that's such a good comp to what the average Joe is thinking this week. It's uh, it's ridiculous. Abraham Answer. Abraham Answer was the first press conference of the week, and you got John yeah. Rom there, and you know, so uh, yeah, a lot of pressure. Hopefully, well, they got to set up that stool for Abraham, probably, right? He's yeah, they do. Five, they they got to get all the ratings down there. They got to get you know, Abe Abe's yeah. the guy this week, but he's he yeah. might miss the cut. Might miss the cut onwards yeah. and upwards. For my next pick to place, I'm going to take Grayson Sig top twenty plus two seventy five. Grayson Sig has made. Eight of his last nine cuts on tour. Six of those are 42nd or better. Now, with this week of field, I think he strings together another solid start, and we are right where we want to be late on Sunday. You know, of his starts on tour, he did finish 33rd at the last Mexico event, the Mayakoba. 
He had a 22nd place finish at Bermuda, had a top 10 at the Punta Cana last year. So has played well on these kind of islandy kind of golf courses. Um, I'd say it's, you know, not too bold to say he has an affection for coastal kind of islandy golf with those results. Um, has a bit of a hot putter that we would like to get on as well. He's picked up nine shots with the putter in his last two starts. You know, one of the great last names on tour. I will be ripping a Grayson Sig top 20 at plus 275. Wow, a little weekend heater on Sig. I love it. That guy's playing great. Great performance at uh, Puttacana. So um, I think it's a great look on Sig this week. 21st in the field, last 12 rounds. Uh, Strokes gained tee to green. So I, uh, he's a he's a character too. I caddy for my buddy who was playing a corn fairy event two years ago in Mexico, actually. And uh, man, I mean, Georgia Bulldog got the little gut, little uh, yeah, little pouch, little pouch yeah. going just so tour. Yeah, and just hit they the, all they all have kind this. of like kind of a young man's kind of Duffner kind of fits that kind of player profile in, in terms of it just. Solid ball striker, could have the yips, could still win a major, that kind of ball striker. So I think him at top 20 plus 275, got to love it. People forget that just – sorry, people forget that Jason Duffner won a major with the yips. Unbelievable. Oak Hill, PGA Championship, took down Jim Furyk. I'll never forget it. Uh, one of my favorite majors of all time. Oak Hill um, is one of the best PGA Championship venues, but he did – Y'all, if you get a chance, you got to go watch Jason Duffner's final round at the 2013 PGA. He has about five putts inside three feet that look worse than Will Zalatoris from 18 inches this year. Oh, I'm pretty sure from what I remember, he like left a three-footer short on 17. Granted, the tournament was kind of in his hands by that point, but man, it was... He was sponsored by PGA Superstore, too, like the official... Claude the tier of uh, of the PGA tour. You remember that brand? So brutal. Shout out His, Amanda Duffner. Shout it, out Amanda uh, Duffner. Yeah, she yeah, she took yeah all those earnings out the door. Uh, unfortunately for <laughs> Duff. Uh, but back into uh, back into the zone here with with picks to play for the Mexico Open. I'm going Nate Lashley top forty at plus one seventy five on DraftKings now. You know, guess which two golf courses Nate Lashley has his last two top 20 finishes on. 15th at the Corrales, 18th at the Valero. Exactly what we want to see going into this week. Two golf courses that showed direct comparisons to Vallarta. And Lashley, really a guy who performs well in the second-tier field events. It's his bread and butter. 7th at Puerto Rico, 17th at Sanderson Farm. So, uh, having a fairly good year this, you know, this year hasn't made much of a move on the FedEx Cup standings because, like I said, you know, he really shows up at second tier events. So I trust where Lashley is with this game um, over the last four events. Very solid in the total strokes gain category. So uh, my next pick to play is going to be Nate Lashley, top 40 plus 175 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Love that, Doc. Love it. I'm just trying to think. I hope his. Uh, future wife's name is on Ashley because that could just be a nasty name nasty name baby throw the hammer um, down all right moving into our next guy Adam 3M open champion go ahead that is true and he has a great story I think battling some issue 
I forgot exactly. I got to read into it. Yeah. Want to say he lost his parents or something sad like that. And then Mm, uh, the plane crash, the plane crash lost. I believe gonna have to confirm lost yeah. a parent and a girlfriend in a plane crash. Go yeah. ahead. But moving into our next guy, Adam Svensson, top 40 plus 175. If you've been listening to us for a couple weeks now, you know we love this guy. Adam has picked up shots on his approach <laughs> shot in five spend of dog, his last baby. six events. <laughs> yes, spend dog. Um, he's also picked up shots three events in a row with a putter. Okay. Now, a little less consistency than we would like to see cut-wise, okay? Ninth at Honda, then he went MC, then he went 39th at Valspar, then he went MC at Valero, 26th in his last start at RBC. Um, So, you know, showing a little form as of late. With this field and only needing a top 40, I think that's more than doable for a guy like Svensson. He kind of reminds me of a Mito light in the sense that the ball striking normally shows up. And if we can get the putter going, he's going to be right there. Now, he's potential for me to maybe play an outright. I need to find a number on that. But for top 40 at plus 175, I think that's uh, too, you know, that's too good to pass up on, especially the fact that the putter has heated up over the last couple of weeks. So that yes. last pick to place for me was Adam Svensson, top 40 plus 175. Beautiful. I have two more. Svensson, absolutely beautiful this year. Canadian sensation him and Hadwin were were paired up together last week didn't have quite the result they wanted but uh yeah that was my best bet last week Hattie and Seve uh top 20 plus 160 didn't hit but uh I'll trust that pairing 10 times out of 10 tell you that right now I got two more picks to place for you Kevin Streelman top 40 plus 100 on DraftKings Sportsbook a couple things I like when it comes to Kevin Streelman this week love it uh Streely Wilson Wilson pro staff member has got the the sunglasses hanging off the back not the listen not the most fun guy to watch by any means 90% of you see Kevin Stroman on the screen you're turning off your TV uh great look on this guy this week one tee to green really started to settle in this season over the past four events uh you know top 25 with the players seventh place finish at Valspar and 18th of Valera before missing the cut at the RBC but Put his 18th place finish um, at Valero. That's what I'm looking for. It shows me he's dialed in. You know, I've said it a million times today, you know, on a course that lines up very well to Vallarta. Another event I'm looking at as far as course comparisons are concerned. Not quite the challenging T-ball, but Led, you'd have more familiarity with this. The landing zones at concession. Uh, the way they set up that tour event, a little resemblance there. Yeah, and the fact that it's just long as hell, right? 7,500 yards uh, definitely makes it a course comp, but for sure. Correct. Strillman finished seventh at that event last year. Uh, so has played well in some courses that match up well here. Uh, that's going to be Kevin Strillman top 40 uh, plus 100 on DraftKings. We need to get that guy a uh, just for men touch of gray five-year deal because he's got the gray hair kind of the gray in. hair would do well with a little manscaped deal. Yep. Yep. But even, I think, you know, him, maybe a Goran Drogic, maybe combo deal for wow. a little touch of gray, touch of gray. Uh, you know, I could see it. I could see it for sure. Incredible. Incredible. We'll get those lined up for Streely. Next one. 
Patrick Flavin top 40 plus 200 on DraftKings. My last one for the Mexico Open. Uh, going for a Monday qualifier here in Patrick Flavin. Actually qualified here in Houston at Deerwood along with Aaron Badalay. Uh, But Flavin is a guy who has no status on the PGA Tour, uh, nor has had any this year, but has made the most of these tournaments that he's qualified for. If you remember, finished 17th in Bermuda, uh, and we had a fantastic dark horse ticket on him. We went the same route when he got into the field in Puerto Rico and barely missed out on hitting that as he finished 22nd. I think making the cut and getting himself in the mix is a sure thing for Flavin this week. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's for sure that he has some additional weight off his shoulders. Um, as Monday, some breaking news, Patrick Flavin in the field on a sponsor's exemption for the John Deere classic here in a couple months. So my last pick to place this week is going to be Patrick Flavin top 40 plus 200 on DraftKings. Love it, Doc. Yeah, and let's just breeze through these picks to win. You know, mentioned a couple of these earlier. My first one's going to be Tony Finau, 25 to 1 on DraftKings. You know, Tony's game sets up perfect for this golf course. Let it, let the driver rip, please. I think that's a good number given the strength of this field. He's, you know, one of the, the few kind of studs playing. Uh, next guy, who? Matt Jones, 55 to 1. Matt Jones has missed his fair share of cuts this year but has also had some really high finishes. You know, he finished third place in the Tournament of Champions at Kapalua earlier in the year, shooting 32 under par. I mean, that's kind of our dream course comp for Vallarta this week. Um, and then he's also, in his last start, coming off a runner-up finish at Valero. So, you know, that's a pretty good number on a guy who has two top three finishes uh, this calendar year. Uh, and one of the few guys in this area who has a win somewhat recently, uh, people forget he did win the Honda Classic last year. Um, so, yeah, one of the few guys in that range who's, uh, you know, been filling up the trophy case. And then for my last pick, it's going to be Cameron Champ at 60-1 to 1 on DraftKings. Cameron Champ's going to be hitting short irons into these 500-yard uh, par fours. I just think that gives him a you know, much higher floor and higher ceiling than most of the guys in that range. Multiple time tour winner, I think, is just icing on the cake for that play at 60 to 1 Cameron Champ. So, recapping those Tony Finau, 25 to 1, Matt Jones, 55 to 1, and Cameron Champ at 60 to 1. Over to my winners uh, for the. <laughs> Did my picks take your breath away, Doc? Is that what's going on? <sighs> Apparently so, Led. Well, that you know, the 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 champ one made me gag. So uh, <laughs> ha- having to recover a bit there. Uh, but I'm taking a similar. I have a champ. I don't have a champ winning ticket, but um, I am doing Sahith Tagala at fifty to one. Very similar to, to Cameron Champ in my opinion this week. Horrible stats, but uh, someone hits it a long, long way. Um, ha- has been on a bit of a good streak, you know, got status this year after taking advantage after, you know, of a couple sponsors exemptions. So we can start there and my best comparison ticket to your, to your champ winning ticket. That'll be Sahith the gala 50 to one um, on FanDuel. Then we'll go. Uh, I'm taking Gary Woodland 22 to one on bet MGM talked about him a lot today. 
Um, you know, number one in the field in approach over his last 12 rounds, a guy who absolutely bombs the ball. Doesn't have to worry about accuracy too much out here at Bayarta. Uh, so that's going to be my first pick to win or second, actually Gary Woodland, 22 to one on bet MGM. Uh, talked about Sebastian Munoz. I'll be putting a winning ticket on him. 33 to one on bet MGM. Um, and then, my last winning ticket this week, another guy we've talked about today, Scott Stallings at 65 to one um, on DraftKings. You know, another guy, a lot like Champ in the sense that his driving accuracy numbers pretty horrible uh, this year, but a guy who hits it an absolute mile, um, 13th to Valera, like we said. Um, I would stack this winning ticket on, a stop, uh, on top of the uh, Scott Stallings top 20 ticket at plus 300, uh, a guy who's playing really well, getting slept on a bit heading into this week. And one more b- bonus for you, if you're, if you're searching for more looks on Scott Stallings, um, it would be Scott Stallings coming out of Group F at plus 300 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Only reason I'm not taking that is, is the risk of Bon Lahiri making a huge statement this week. Uh, but that's also another... Uh, great look if you're looking for Scott Sellings in some some way, shape, or form. So getting ready my, for World Cup with that Group F. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so my four winning tickets this week: Gary Woodland, twenty-two to one on BetMGM; Sebi Munoz, thirty-three to one on BetMGM; Scott Stallings at sixty-five to one on DraftKings Sportsbook; and Sahith Tagala, fifty to one on FanDuel. On to our uh, dark horses led. Dark horse time. Brandon who? Brandon Wu at 130-1, to top 20 plus 400, top 40 plus 150. I will be doing a Salts Bay sprinkle on all of these plays this week. This PGA Tour rookie has not gotten off the start we expected this year, missing his first five cuts on tour, but it seems he's started to turn around recently. His last three starts, he has a third-place finish in Puerto Rico a 33rd place finish at Valspar and a 28th place finish at Punta Cana. Um, You know, this is a guy who was kind you know, he did get his card, did have to play a corn Ferry event earlier in the year. Um, So, you know, he's a PJ tour rookie. Sometimes it just takes those guys a little bit of an adjustment period. Okay. The former Stanford Cardinal, you know, has, has played great on golf courses, similar to this, right? We have, um, a top 30 at Punta Cana, you know, he contended at Puerto Rico before, uh, you know, Robert Brem really kind of ran away with it. Um, hopefully his adjustment period as a Stanford Cardinal is a little shorter than a guy like Patrick Rogers, who still is kind of finding his way out here. Um, but doc, we do see that a lot with these guys that, you know, all of a sudden, right. You, you come out of college, you play on the corn Ferry tour, but when you make that jump to the PJ tour, it really is an adjustment. Uh, to have, you know, thousands of people watching you. So, um, yes, he hasn't played many of these big events, but also this is kind of going to be a little closer to, to a Puerto Rico or a Dominican event than it is going to be to Augusta, right? Um, so, in this week of a field, I love Brandon Wu. He's, you know, he's proven he's played great on the Corn Ferry Tour last year to get his card, but – um, we love what he's been doing in the last couple of events. I think he's trending in the right direction at 130 to one in this field at a, a top 20 at plus 400 and a top 40 at plus 150. I think sprinkling all of those um, is definitely worth the play for my dark horse this week. That is Brandon Wu. 
Okay, and my dark horse for this week is going to be Chase Seifert, top 20 at plus 450 on DraftKings Sportsbook. This is the best that I've felt about a dark horse since the badly top 40 bet at the Valero. Chase Seifert, a rough start to the season, so much so that he was not initially, initially in the field at the Honda Classic a few weeks ago. And after missing the Honda Monday, he gets in off a withdrawal and finishes 25th that week. And since then, you know, made the cut in Puerto Rico, finished 22nd at Corrales, which was his last start of the PGA Tour about a month ago. This is a big spot for a guy who is playing well, but also can't really afford a bad week being on conditional status uh, here in Mexico. Uh, a guy who hits it a long way and uh, second year on the PGA Tour has had a Couple good finishes in his career so far. Uh, I think this week in Mexico is another another great spot for him. That's Chase Seifert, top twenty at plus four fifty on DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, I'll roll us into the to the degenerate bet uh, for this week, and that's going to be Kevin Na to miss the cut at plus two seventy five on DraftKings Sportsbook because. I do not see Vallarta as, as a golf course that really suits Kevin Na whatsoever. This is a guy that, you know, I, I actually, um, unlike most of the Twitter talking heads and the, uh, the social media tough guys, this is a guy that I root for um, on a week-to-week basis to play well. I know how much uh, qualifying for the uh, next few team events for the United States means for him, a guy who got his – United States citizenship just to be able to try to qualify for these team events. I have a great amount of respect for that, but this is a guy who not only lacks distance, but lacks accuracy with the driver and, you know, not to discredit the year that Kevin Nas had with three top 20 finishes, including a great finish at the masters, but I'm forecasting this week to be a very rough one for Kevin Na and he will have those bags packed on Friday. Yeah, Doc, it's one of those things where, you know, what's the right amount, what's the right amount of days? What, how many days can you handle with the family in Mexico? You know what I mean? Like most guys kind of are done at four or five days. So I think uh, Nah is going to be one of those guys who might be happy to uh, hit the reset button, get back to the U.S. and get ready for uh, the next run of tournaments coming versus uh, the full eight-day experience in uh, Puerto Vallarta, as beautiful as it is. I'm shocked he's here, Led. The only the only reason that I could think of is he's trying to prove himself on some of these longer golf courses. Uh, because with the guys that he's gonna be up against for captain's picks and uh, you know, the rest of the scenarios as far as making those team events are concerned, he's gotta show somewhere along the line that he can compete at these long golf golf courses, and it's not gonna happen this week. Yeah, it's it's funny, like, he, you know, maybe he's now it might be a little bit of a reach to say he's playing to show that he can play, you know, play well on a long golf course. But it's also a risky, right? If he MCs here, then you got assistant to the assistant captain, Drew Love, bringing that up during the during the meetings with uh, with daddy talking about uh, how Kevin Knock can't play uh, long courses and he should get the spot. Yeah, I know. Man. Drew Love's going to be in the meeting. He's going to go bag it, Kevin, after he missed the cut here. So Exactly. Uh, let's that's move our, into those, yeah. Let's move into those DraftKings lineups. Um, I'll start it off. I'm taking John Rom. okay? I don't think you can overprice this guy. 
so consistent. You know, yes, we'd like a little bit more out of the putter. We'd like a couple more wins. But just from a man, that's a nice, like, uh, whatever you want to call it, head of that horse in terms of, uh, in terms of it's nice to have John Rom kind of being the uh, Jokic of your lineup. Um, yeah. Who uh, avoided a sweep a couple nights ago, thank God. Uh, but Which means he will yeah, – if, 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 if playoffs counted for MVP led 37 point teriyaki wing stop meal for Jokic. Uh, yeah. And what was that? Game three? I believe that no. was game four to avoid the You're sweep. Right. Game, but, four. Uh, game four to avoid yeah, the sweep. We'll stick to golf, but basketball wise, the, the, uh, the Sixers are on their heels right now. This is, this is starting to go the wrong way. Doc Rivers is not afraid to lose a series. Uh, up a couple games he's uh i think been a the king of that as of late so we'll keep an eye on that as well but let's stick to Vallarta for now yeah my lineup john rom cameron champ austin smotherman scott stallings who i know you like doc um brandon Wu, and tossing mr max mcgreevy who had a good week uh at the puerto rico open a couple weeks ago and for my lineup uh this week for the mexico open i'm gonna go gary woodland uh, Otterbon Lahiri, uh, Kevin Strillman, uh, Scott Stallings, someone uh, me and me and Led both have in our lineups, uh, Chase Seifert, and Nasty Nate Lashley, uh, rounding out the caboose of this week's lineup for the Mexico Open. Um, on to scoring predictions, uh, Led. I'm going to go with. Wait, what 20- was your scoring prediction last week? My scoring prediction last week. Uh, was 27 under, too shy of the 29 under. What'd you have, Led? I had 28 under. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> you always do this to me. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, great, hey, call. Pick, great, call there, call. great call there, Led. Great call there, Led. Let me pick first this time so then you can have the uh, – we don't change our picks, but just so – I'm going I'm going 26 under this week, Led. Okay. What do you got? Okay, I'm going, 20, I'm going 23. So there's some uh, wiggle room there at least. I, I think um, they get close to 30. I'm confident with my 26 under number. Yeah, I think, I mean, from what I've seen, the wind is going to blow a little bit. It's not like these guys are, uh, it's not the seventh year they're playing here, right? There's going to be a little bit of a adjustment. Oh, maybe that lines off the tee is uh, where I need to be going. But um, yeah, for the most part, Doc, from what I've heard, this if the wind lays down, it's going to play a lot like Kapalua, where it's like, okay, let's take it 40, 40 under. <laughs> Yeah. Now, if they get those uh, those afternoon gusts off the coast, uh, could be seeing Led's uh, score get a little closer. But that's what I had in mind: the uh, Kapalua type event uh, where they where they where they get close to that thirty under number. So I'm going to go 26, 26 under. Last but not least, moving into our best bet, I am going to be taking Aaron Wise top 21 uh, plus 175. One of the few guys in the field that is top 20 in both strokes gained off the tee and approach. He already has um, five 21st or better placed finishes this year. He's finished 15th at Mayakoba back in November, so doesn't exactly lose his game when he crosses the border. Um, speaking of that, He's actually using a new putter uh, from his old coach at uh, at Oregon, Casey. I'm forgetting his last name. Casey Martin. Casey Martin. Um, yeah. yeah. So he has kind of this long coucher putter contraption, and it seems to be working a little bit. He picked up strokes on the greens two weeks ago in his last start at Harvardtown. 
for the first time in a while in route to a 21st place finish at the RBC. So in this week of the field with his tee to green, tee to green game, I don't care if customs doesn't let the putter go through and he passed a putt with a sand wedge. I think he's more than capable of a top 20 here, especially at that number. So for my best bet, it's going to be Aaron wise, top 20 plus 175, lock it in. Okay, and my uh, best bet for this week, one we've already talked about, this is going to be my best bet. Uh, it's going to be Nate Lashley, top 40, plus 175. I love the courses that he's played well that, uh, you know, everywhere he seemed to play well matches up well with Vallarta this week. Uh, so that's going to be mine. Uh, Nate Lashley, top 40, plus 175. My best bet for the week. Led great work today. Uh, best of luck to everyone. Uh, this is the Golf Preview Podcast, RJ Bell's Dream Preview, Mexico Open, and best of luck to everybody.